Make sure you go up the stairs, don't yeah. take the shortcut. Yeah, that's right. So good to be here in Pukekohe. What a great place to be. It's just up the motorway. It's literally 45-minute drive from our church building to this church building. It's so close. You sure was just coming up? No, just kidding. This is kidding. To be honest, this auditorium is one of my favorite auditoriums all of Elam. It is so good. I love this place. This is, uh, I love this. So well done to Daryl and Denise. In fact, when I was at Elam, um, when I was an intern at Elam, Daryl was my supervisor. He was super He used to always put signs on my door about the Chiefs and all these things. And I'm a big Chiefs fan. I am. But I'm originally from Auckland. And so uh, I, I, I love the Blues and the Chiefs equally. Half my kids were born in Auckland. The other half were born in Hamilton. So equally. So if the, if the Chiefs and Blues play and the Chiefs win, I'm happy and I'm sad. If the Blues win, I'm just happy. But anyway, anyway, let's, let's get into today's... Um, it's very, thank you so much, Daryl. I'm very humbled to be here amongst the good people of Pukekohe. South, South Auckland. South, South Auckland. This is the real South Auckland, right? <laughs> Represent. Um, so I, I remember years ago when I, was only five, when I was only five years old, about 20 odd years ago. <laughs> the same kind of response to get back in Hamilton. Um, so when I was about five, I remember thinking that, that the country I live in is called Auckland. I remember thinking that. Auckland is my country. And then I remember going to school. And then the school teacher showing me the globe of the world, pointing to this, this country and said, this is New Zealand. This is the country we live in. See that dot? That dot is Auckland. My mind was like, what? You mean uh, what I see is even bigger? There's, it's more to this world than what I can see? In fact, this, this place called New Zealand is only fits a small space on this globe. It's bigger than what I thought. My mind was blown. I was woke at five years of age. <laughs> I'm just become woke at that moment. It's just, just a penny dropped in. And I was thinking, that's amazing. But it's really interesting when it comes to the gospel. Because when we think of the gospel, we think basically the gospel is about, is about believing in Jesus, that he died for our sins on the cross. And, and, and if, we, if we believe in, in what he's done for us, if, of forgiveness of sins, then we'll be saved, then we'll go to heaven. And we think that's just the gospel message. Yes and no. And, and just, on, just on a side note, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about us going to heaven. It's about heaven and earth coming together. This is what the Bible's about, heaven and earth coming together. But it's yes and no. It's, the gospel is more than just that message. It's part of the message. What Jesus did for us on the cross, the, 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 the fulfillment of what he did, the amazing works of the cross, that's part of the gospel. But that's just kind of like me thinking that my country is just Auckland. It's actually much bigger than that. When we look at the word gospel, let's break down that word gospel. Gospel comes from an old English word, that, that good spell. Good spell, spelled G O D. S-P-E-L. And if you ask me, that's bad spell. Good spell. There's missing an O in good. And, and, so, and so that's a compound word. And it's good and spell. Spell meaning message. Spell meaning story or news. Good news. So this phrase, good news, is found in our New Testament. When we open up a New Testament, we see this phrase, new, um, uh, good news. And, and it's, the, it's the Hebrew or the, the, the Greek rendering Yungalian. Um, Yungalian. And Yungalian is also a compound word. You meaning good, and Angalian meaning message or news. Good news. So here the, the, the gospel message, Yungalian. Good news. But you know the word news? The word news today is very common, right? 
What does news tell us? It tells us what's happening in the day, everyday occurrence. But this phrase, euangelion, 2,000 years ago in the time of Jesus was a very rare word. It was used not that often. And when it was used, it was very weighty. This euangelion, euangelion was a weighty word. And when it was used, it was a word of importance. Because when euangelion was used, it was always used to proclaim that a new king reigns. A new king reigns. Euangelion. It was a word that was used. It was a proclamation about a kingdom, a kingdom coming. There's a new king, and his name is Jesus, Euangelion. This weighty word. So when we pick up our New Testaments, when we pick up our Bibles, and every time you see the word good news, it's a royal declaration. A royal declaration. Good news. Euangelion. So, for example, let's look in our Bibles. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Right in the beginning. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is what it says, the beginning of the Euangelion, this royal proclamation, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So here's Mark, he puts his cards on the tables right up the front. What Mark is saying is that this Jesus, he is the king, and he reigns right off the bat. When we read Mark, this, this good news, it's a royal declaration that Jesus is king, and he Reigns. In fact, Jesus went on proclaiming the kingdom of God, and we read on in verse 14. And what does it say in verse 14? It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the what? The Galilean, Proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The time is now. It's here. The time is now. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the Galilean, the good news, this weighty word that the kingdom of God is here. So Jesus went around announcing that he was this king. He said, I am that king, this Galilean. When he used that phrase, Galilean, he's, he's making this bold declaration that he is king. And it was even more grand than that. Jesus was claiming that he was the only one who could bring God's kingdom into reality. That he's the only one that can bring to earth as it is in heaven. That he is the Galilean, and he did this through his words and his actions. And in his actions, he did it by, by, by saying to a lame man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. By spitting in a blind man's eye so he can see again. By calming a storm. By driving out evil spirits. By raising back to life the dead. Jesus did it through, through actions and words. That Jesus is, as the Holy Scriptures the Hebrew scriptures are all pointing towards Jesus, that Jesus is this new humanity, this new human, this exalted human, this new Adam, that he was the one that was going to bring about and through Jesus was going to bring humanity back to the original destiny that God has had, had given humanity way back in the garden, way back with Adam and Eve, the original destiny of mankind through Jesus, that we can reach our destiny through Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm so glad that, that when Adam and Eve made a mistake, that God didn't give up on them. Just like that God doesn't give up on you. Did you know that? He doesn't give up on you if you make a mistake. Because God's original plan is always the same, to use humanity to bring the kingdom of earth, kingdom of God on earth. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you to bring his new humanity, the kingdom of God here on earth, to make a royal declaration, a royal proclamation that God still reigns. And he still sits on that throne, and his name is Jesus. And this is the declaration that God has called us to do. Jesus is this new humanity, and he calls, and he calls us. 
to step into this new humanity and to proclaim this new humanity. See, the name of the series is Step Into the New. And Jesus calls us to step into this new humanity. To step into this new humanity to bring the kingdom of, of heaven here on earth. To make a royal declaration that Jesus still reigns. He still sits on the throne. No matter what anybody else says, he still sits on that throne. God still reigns. Amen? And he's called us to step into this new hum- humanity. So how do we step into this new humanity? This is the title of my message today, is stepping into the new humanity. How do we do this? And we do this just like how Jesus did it. In fact, Jesus lays this out for us in Matthew chapter 5. And it's known as the Beatitudes. And many of you in this room are familiar with the Beatitudes. If you haven't, I'll tell you what, it's one of the, the most or the greatest sermons you'll ever hear, the Beatitudes. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Or if you've got your devices, turn on your iPhones or just use your eyeballs as we look at the, at the, uh, at the verses on, on the screen. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and, began, and he began to teach them. I love this because what Matthew is alluding to, what he's pointed to, everybody say mountainside. Well, Matthew is alluding to this other great mountain that's found in the Old Testament. About where God was above a mountain, he calls Moses up. And where God began to give Moses the law so that Moses can take the law from the mountaintop and begin to instruct the people how to live, to be separate to all the other nations around them. And so here we have Jesus, who's greater and far better than Moses, sitting on a mountaintop. And just like God giving Moses an instruction to instruct the people, Jesus is sitting on the mountainside, instructing the people how to step into the new humanity. And, and Matthew's alluding to this, because the gospel, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are also known as the gospels. And the reason being is because it's a narrative of this royal proclamation. Of this, this, royal, um, this royal declaration that Jesus reigns. And when you read the narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have to make a decision at the end of the book. You have to make a decision. Is Jesus your king? Does he reign? You need to make that decision. It's a personal decision you need to make. And this is why it's called the gospel, because it's a declaration, a royal declaration. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, four. I'm, I'm giving five. You know, uh, anyway. So here we go. Let's get into the Beatitudes. Verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I love this. This is the foundation. Right off the bat, Jesus gives the foundation to stepping into the new humanity. What's the foundation? It's to be poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means not to be filled of yourself. That I'm going to empty myself so that, so that God can pour his spirit into me. That I'm so they say God fills me so much so that, that I am the clay, He is the potter. That I am totally dependent on you. That, you, that when I'm in a time of worship, wherever I am, I'm lifting, I'm raising my arm, I'm going to dance a jig, I'm going to sing out to God. I don't care what anybody else thinks because all that matters is that I have one audience and His, his name is Jesus. You know, it's, it's that I'm emptying myself so that God can fill me. That I am poor in spirit. See, it's very dangerous to be rich in spirit. Because when you're rich in spirit, you're full of yourself. Do you know anybody who's full of themselves? Don't look to the person next to you. <laughs> full of themselves. And it's a very dangerous place to be. You can be very arrogant. When you're full of yourself, there's no room for God to pour into you. Because you're so full of yourself. And it's a dangerous place to be because we can get into a place of self-righteousness. I don't need anybody else. I don't need God. 
In fact, I, I'm, so, I'm so full of myself, I'm so complete with myself, that I can begin to point out all the mistakes that everybody else is making around me. You know, we, can be, we can be full of ourselves in church and think we're righteous. And we can point out the mistake of everybody else and say, well, look at you, you're not like me. Oh, you know, that church up the road, oh, well, they're not doing the right thing. This is the godly. This is how we do things. We're so full of ourselves. We need to be, we need to empty ourselves. Less of me, just like what John the Baptist said, may I be less and may he increase. And this is what it means. This, this is the foundation of the Beatitudes, is that I'm totally dependent on him. I'm totally dependent on Jesus, that I'm going to empty myself so he can fill me. Fill me up, Lord, so I can overflow, that I can live in the overflow that, I can, that, that the overflow has to begin to love people around me. It's the overflow of God's love that overflows around me. The Beatitudes, the, the stepping into this new humanity is the foundation to be poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And see, it's not talking about people having a pity party. Have you ever had a pity party before? I've had lots of pity party myself. The only people I invite to my pity party is me, myself, and I. And I go, woe is me. They didn't see the way they treated me. They didn't see my, you know, that pastor, he doesn't see my potential. He, he knows that I'm a great speaker. What do, you, what do you mean that I have to set chairs up? What are you talking about? That's beneath me. <laughs> and I know there's no one, in this, no one in this church. No one in this church at all. <laughs> But as people, we, we, what we, it's, it's, it's talking about people who mourn that, that I'm mourning for my community so they know Jesus. I'm mourning for my family, that my children will know Jesus. I'm mourning for my workplace, for my place of education. I'm mourning for that because it's only through the kingdom of God that, that there's breakthrough. That I'm mourning that people will come to know Jesus. And you know, when we begin to mourn for our community, when we begin to, when we begin to mourn for the people around us, it causes us to, to act, to step out, to, be, to step into that place and begin to declare that that Jesus is king. Our, our mourning should cause us to act in such a way that, that I, I can't just sit on the sidelines anymore. I need to get out. I need to make a royal declaration because this community can only be changed by the kingdom of God. Amen? It's by stepping into this new humanity. So blessed are the poor and spiritual. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we have this tendency to think that meekness is weakness, but it's not. It's totally the opposite. Meekness is controlled strength. Controlled strength. It's kind of like a skillful boxer who trains, and every blow, every defense is calculated. Not someone who's flaying the arms, hoping something will connect, but it's skilled. It's that I'm not going to lord it over you. You know, it's, it's not, oh, look, I'm in a place of privilege, and I'm going to look down on you. That's not meekness. That's weakness. I'm more superior to you. That's weakness. Meekness is that I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. You know, uh, you've got less than me. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to lower myself to serve you. It's an other's first kingdom. Meekness is servant leadership. There's no other leadership but servant leadership. You know, I wish one day this word servant leadership will disappear because when everybody think of leadership, they only think of servant leadership. We shouldn't have to label it, but it's about serving others. My motives is about serving you. See, if you, if, you, if you want to step into leadership, make sure you've got the right motives. That, oh, well, it's about people. It's about me getting out there, me being, look how great I am. No, leadership is about me serving you. And if you want to serve people, if you want to do the hard work, then step into leadership. Because leadership is meekness. Is that I'm not going to lord it over you because of my great intelligence. 
or lack of intelligence or great strength, but I'm here to serve you meekness. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, God will bless people through people who hunger and thirst for justice. Who hunger and thirst to see that things are, that things are, are, are put right. We need to be people who step out in our communities. Let us not be people praying for somebody who needs food when we've got a cupboard full of food at home. Let us not be people praying for somebody who is cold when we've got a closet full of jackets. But, but those who, who thirst and hunger for righteousness, they're people who step in, they see a need, they step in, and they fill it. This is what the dream team is all about, about stepping in. They see a need and they fill it, not because of what I can look like in front of anybody else, because I'm here to fill a need. I hunger and thirst for righteousness because it's the right thing to do. There's, something, there's, there's, there's someone in need in my community. I'm there to step into the gap. This is what the, the new humanity looks like. Wait, 2,000 years ago, people thought these Christians were crazy because 2,000 years ago, it was about, it was about the strong. And, those, and, and Christianity is the, ups, the, it's the upside down kingdom. It's coming out, and it's all these, these, these crazy Christians feeding the poor, looking after the sick. Let me tell you something. We will not have schools. We will not have hospitals with, without people stepping into this new humanity. Because people saw a need, and they, and they filled it. They stepped into it. This is what the new humanity looks like. It's an other first, it's other's first kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God is. An other's first kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Oh, this one, this is, a, this is a good one. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. That's a good one. You ever think about that one? Showing mercy means to act on the behalf of your neighbor. Ooh. Oh, yes, Lord, definitely, unless you've got neighbors like mine. <laughs> who park in our driveway, don't mow their lawns. Whose kids are loud and noisy? Oh wait, that's me. I'm, I'm, that's me to my neighbors. And no, sorry, that's not. Me. See, when no one was forgiving you, when no one was reaching out to you, God extended His right arm and He pulled you out of your distress. He pulled you out of your depression. He pulled you out of your and your anxiety, and He restored you. See, God didn't wait for you to say sorry before He forgave you. He didn't wait for you to say sorry before he forgave you. So why are you waiting for an apology before you can forgive that person that offended you? Oh, that's quiet. Why are we waiting for an apology? I'll, I'll, only, I'll only forgive them if they say sorry. Well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Well, do you know what you did to Jesus? When did Jesus forgive you? When did he forgive you? When he was on that cross, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't just talking to the people right there and then. He was talking through the generation because it was our sins that put him to that cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't wait for you to say sorry. Well, I'm just, I'm not going to die yet. I'm waiting for them to say sorry. Well, Daryl hasn't said sorry yet. So I'm just going to hang in until he says sorry. I ain't going to die for someone that doesn't apologize. You know what? He died for you anyway. He forgave you anyway. While you're still spitting in his face, he died for you anyway. So why are you waiting for an apology for somebody 
before you can forgive them. Whoa, that's hard. That's hard. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart are those without mixed motives. There's no hidden agendas. Basically, I'm here. I'm, there's nothing in it for me. It's all about the kingdom of God. I'm here to serve. I'm here to, to give praises. Only uh, The only praise I want is from God, not from anybody else. I'm not going to do something so Daryl can see me. Oh, if he sees me pick up this rubbish, well, he, he might, maybe he might get me to preach next Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> it's not about that. And, you know, I was teaching this, 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 this young guy in youth group this, this concept. And I said to him, where do you work? And he says, I work at Countdown. And I said, what are you doing Countdown? He said, I, I stack the shelves. I said, well, imagine this. Imagine you're walking to work and you saw rubbish at the front entrance. Will you pick up that rubbish? And he goes, no, I won't. I said, why not? He said, it was not my job. I said, well, if the owner walked by, by and he saw rubbish on the ground, will he pick it up? And I go, yeah, he probably would. Is it his job? Oh, no, it's not. Then why would he pick it up? Because he's the owner. I said, that's what the kingdom of heaven's like. It's about being a son and daughter of the house, not a servant. You can either be a son and daughter or a servant. It's what we do in the dark that's important, the pure in heart. I'm not waiting for any praises for a man. I'm going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. I've got no motives. It's not about me promoting myself. It's about, it's about I'm doing something because, it, because I'm doing it before my heavenly father. I'm picking up this rubbish not because of Daryl. I'm picking it up because it's the right thing to do. I'm doing it because I'm doing it for my father in heaven. You know, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something for my neighbor. They might never know that I've done it for them, but I'm doing it because I'm doing it for my father. It's not about recognition before man. I don't care if I look like a fool before man because it's all about my father. That I'm a son and daughter of the living God. I'm not just a servant. That's the pure in heart. This is what it looks like to step into new humanity. Whoa, that's a bit hard. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. And um, This is really important, the peacemakers. This is not just peacemakers out there in the world. You know what Jesus prayed for the night that he was portrayed? He was praying for unity amongst the believers. There's nothing worse than, than, than squabbling amongst believers. If we're meant to be a witness to the people out there, we need to get it right in here. Which means if somebody, if my brother and sister has offended me, my number one job is to make it right with my brother and sister. Because it's about seeking peace and unity. More important than anything else. You have offended me. You know, but, you know, this, what did Jesus say? You know, uh, uh, Jesus tells a story about, but you know, even if you're, you're, you're at the temple and you're about to offer your sacrifice, but, but you've been waiting all day. It was a long line. Just like lockdown. You're waiting outside countdown for a long line. And you're second before you get into countdown. And you remember somebody, somebody's offended you. What does Jesus say? Well, leave your offering, your sacrifice there. Go and make it right with them. And you can imagine what the believers are thinking. What, what do you mean? Are, are you telling me, are you telling me, but, but this offering is about putting God first. Are you telling me that I've got to put people before God? And Jesus said, well, you don't get the point. It's by putting people first that you put God first. So when you put people first, you put God first. It's an other's first kingdom. Does this sound familiar? Love God. Love people? You can't just love God without loving people. It's an other's first kingdom. It's stepping into the new humanity. And then we go out and we become the ambassadors of peace. That's who we are. We are the ambassadors of peace. We're not Facebook 
um, keyboard warriors out there, you know, here you see that during, the, during the Facebook can be really harsh. And I see some, I cringe when I see some Christians out there and they're like, oh, the government this, the government that, the government. Why don't you just start praying for the government? Why don't you start praying that, Je- that Jacinda Ardern becomes, gets saved by Jesus rather than tearing her down on public? Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We're ambassadors of peace, not ambassadors of keyboard warriors. Anyway, that's just a little bugbear of mine. But anyway, I'll carry on. Holy Spirit's working through some issues of mine. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. And of course, blessed are those who are, who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs are the kingdom of heaven. And, and persecution does come. See, being persecuted in New Zealand is different, as a Christian is different to being in, um, in China, right? Very different. But persecution's still here. You know, it's really interesting that, that, that every other religion is respected by Christianity. But, you know, we respect all these other religions, but don't you bring Jesus here. Don't you bring Jesus into the school. Don't you bring Jesus into parliament. Can you imagine what our communities will look like if we step into the new humanity? Can we begin to see the transformation that begins to happen? Because Jesus was poor in spirit. He, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus mourned, Jesus was meek, Jesus hungered and thirsted for righteousness, Jesus was merciful, Jesus was pure in heart, Jesus was a peacemaker, Jesus was persecuted for righteousness, and he causes us to step into this new humanity. Will you step into this humanity? Can you imagine what the kingdom of God looks like? You know, I just want to end with this, this last story from the last two minutes that I have. <laughs> and I got a younger brother. He's 25 years of age. And when I was 19, he was born. Do the math. That's how old, how old I am, right? That's, and um, anyway, um, he's got a different father to me, right? And when, sadly, when he was about five years of age, his father died of cancer. And I took him under my wing, and I began to tell him about the love of Jesus, that God has a plan for your life. When he was about nine years of age, we moved to Hamilton, my, my, my younger brother got into a lot of trouble growing up in his teenage years, got involved in gangs, um, got in a lot of trouble with the police. Uh, there was a lot of issues going on in his life. But now, at 25 years of age, he's married, got three beautiful children. Honestly, praise God. You know, I'm so thankful for how God worked in his life. Last year in December, he calls me. And this shocked me when he called me because my brother never talks to me. He's very different to me. He's very quiet. And I, I can be quiet, but he's very quiet. He calls me and he says to me, he says, Ants, I'm shocked. I'm thinking, well, what, what, did someone die? Why are you calling me? You got an issue with mom? What's going on? And he says, Ants, what's, what's that prayer to lead someone to know Jesus? And I was going, wait, is this you? Is this, hello, who am I talking to? Sorry, I thought you asked me how to lead someone to know Jesus. Did you, did you just say that? He said, yeah, could you tell me? Then he tells me that his sister, who's on, her dad, on his dad's side, she's in her 60s. She's dying of cancer. She, he went to go see her just before during that time, and he began to share to her about God. He, she said to him, don't you tell me about God. I don't need God. Don't you tell me about God. He just got a phone call that, that day that his sister just had a really bad stroke. She didn't have long to live. And said, so, Ants, what's that prayer? And I said to him, look, it's more than just saying words. It's about making a decision. She needs to make a decision in her heart that Jesus is king. It's a decision point. It's not just saying words. It's a decision point. So I sent it to him anyway. I sent him this prayer. I just Googled something. Oh, that looks about right. And I sent it to him, right? 
And as I said, and anyway, he calls me back later that night. A miracle, two calls in one day. I said, Ants, she said that prayer. She said that prayer. I said, what? Tell me what happened. See, he walks into this, the, to the hospital. She can't speak because of the stroke. He says, would you, can I pray for you? She nods her head. And then, and then, and then, then he says to her, okay, repeat after me. And I'm thinking to myself, you say repeat after, she can't even talk. He's telling her to repeat after you. She says, repeat after me. And she, and she begins to repeat with clear English, word for word for word. One week later, she dies. And, and, she, and at her funeral, on the handout, there's this poem. And she writes this poem about the love of God, that God is merciful, that God loves you. But this attributes of God. I was, I was thinking, this lady for 60 years denied God, denied Jesus, but in her last week writes, this, writes the attributes of God. God was doing something in that one week. It blew my mind. Because never underestimate the seeds of the gospel that you sow, sow into people's lives. Never underestimate the seed of gospel you sow into your children's lives. I had no idea that God will make it grow. I had no idea that God will make it grow through my brother's life, through his, through his troubled teenage years. That God will use my brother to lead his sister to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Never underestimate the seeds of the gospel. Do you know why my brother shared the gospel to her? Because she, he mourned for her. For her to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. When we mourn, it causes us to act. I tell you the story. The reason I tell you the story is because you don't need to be perfect to share the gospel. You don't need to be a theologian to know everything about humanology and all these other things. All you need to know is the love of Jesus, the love of God. Come on, when we close your eyes, let us pray. You know, if you're here this morning, and, and maybe you're here and... You've never made this decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't made that decision. But right here, right now, you want to make that decision. And it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Because God loved you so much that He stepped into His creation, into the fullness of Jesus. And on the cross, He died for your greatest regrets, your greatest mistake. And he offers this to us now. We need to make a decision. If that's you, if you want to make a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand wherever you are. I'm just going to count to three. Just raise it up wherever you are. One, two, three. Just lift it up wherever you are, wherever you are. The greatest decision you'll make that I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. It'll be the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's time to step into the new humanity. Come on, you can put your hand down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this prayer. This, there's nothing magical in this prayer, but 